2: Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
0: Hi, everybody. My name is Thomas Boff. I'm the editor of Wolvesblog.com, a website dedicated entirely to Wolverhampton Wonders Football Club. You can obviously get us on the website itself at Wolvesblog.com, uh, facebook.com forward slash Wolvesblog, or on Twitter or X as it's now known at Wolvesblog.
1: We do keep having that battle over uh, in the intros and outros, whether we call it Twitter or X. Um, (laughs) But uh, we'll start off the show uh, catching up on some of the big stories that happened during the international break. Um, The the one I want to start off with is Everton, uh, who obviously got 10 points uh, docked from them. For, for violating financial fair play rules um, but also uh, they played pretty well today obviously didn't get the win a 3-0 loss actually um, but seemed to, to have the better of that match for for swaths of it um, so we'll get into the the decision itself but we'll start with the match um, which was just wh- what did you make of their performance do you think off the back of it and some of the others they've had this season that even with this punishment they might still have a chance of staying up
2: even with the 10-point deduction, I'm fairly confident Everton will stay up. The bottom of the Premier League is very bad this season. Like this this is probably... The bottom five is probably worse than it's been in, we'll just say, a very long time. I can't remember a time it's been this bad. Um, and Everton are just... They've been a good team. Like Sean Dyche is very, very good at his job. He's a very good manager. Uh, I think Everton are... Um, they had 14 points. Now they only have four, but they're still only five off safety right now. Um, I think they're they like, they lost three-nil to United, so it looks bad if you don't really if you didn't watch the game or like don't really look into it. But like they outshot them 24 to nine. They won on the XG. Uh, it's a little weird when United score two minutes in, so that kind of you know shifts things. But even then, you'd expect United to keep pushing, um, and Everton just. They, they kind of outplayed them. Um, obviously, it's tough to say that when they lose three nil, but like I think they kind of outplayed them. I think they're, I think they are a tier, if not two tiers, above the um, the like Burnleys, the Sheffield Uniteds, the Lutons um, of this season. So despite the a real kick in the teeth of the ten point deduction, uh, I'm still pretty confident they'll stay up. Uh, as far as the deduction itself, I mean it's it's complicated in the sense that like there's all this context around it, but if you kind of Eliminate the context of, you know, Chelsea and City. Um, I do think it was pretty cut and dry by the rules. Like, yeah, they definitely violated the rules really, really badly. Um, They lost a lot more money than they are allowed to. Uh, And they, everyone knows they're pretty horrendously run. Um, Not to mention the whole, you know, geopolitic aspect of it. Um, So as far as the suspension, I understand why the fans are mad when you have teams like City and Chelsea, who are also under investigation, and it seems like they're doing also bad things. Um, But ultimately, I think, yeah, they they probably should have got um, punished. Um, But I still think they'll probably be fine this season. So, you know, swings and roundabouts.
0: Yeah, I mean, just picking up on Dan's point about the the points deduction, um, I think my view on that is that they were guilty... And it was correct that they were punished. And I'm not against a points deduction. I think the fact it was 10 points is that that's a heavy old swing. That is, um, I don't know whether the Premier League just wanted to make a statement, use them as a kind of whipping boy to warn others off um, about, you know, not staying in line with the rules. I have a suspicion that it might be reduced, that that 10 points. I don't think they're going to get the, the verdict overturned, but they, they may see the the you know the points deduction lessened on appeal. I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what 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 happens there. I listened to a, a you know a good explanation of that on a on a different um podcast about how they you know failed, made repeated failings um in, in terms of their financial situation. They'd been in constant dialogue with the with the Premier League about you know allowable deductions um and they they'd already you know written off hundreds of millions of pounds uh the Premier League had allowed them to um, of it, of expenditure, and they were they were making some fairly spurious uh requests to write off twenty thirty forty million pounds more um over some kind of ridiculous things um so so i i wasn't against them being punished but um, but yeah, I was a bit surprised that it that it was for ten points at one point I did hear in the papers it might be twelve points, so maybe they got off lightly but um but yeah, ten, I, so yeah my my view is correct to punish them, but ten points on probably on the on the heavy side, um, you know, bringing it back to to my club Wolves, um, there was murmurs over the summer that we had financial fair play issues on the horizon, and there was a fire sale at the club. You know, we sold a lot of big name players. Your Ruben Neves, is your Mateus Nunes, um, you know, Matino, Troye Jimenez, all these players. We they they were moved off the books fairly rapidly because it was viewed absolutely necessary that that, that we bring. Our finance is in line to be compliant with the rules. Um, so when you hear that Everton were, were told, you know, this has been in the pipeline for a long time, they, they had these issues on the horizon, and they continued to to do dealings. And those dealings ultimately, let's not forget, kept them in the Premier League. Um, you know, so even if you, you yeah. some people go, well, you know, it was only twenty five, thirty million. Well, that money. Uh, could have been the difference between them going down last season and Leicester City or Leeds United or Southampton staying in the Premier League. So, it, you know, they're serious accusations and they shouldn't just be washed away because some Everton fans say, well, what about Chelsea? What about Man City? OK, you know, those, those clubs are, are, are <laughs> need to be investigated on the, in their own right and on their own merits. But I, I don't think that excuses Everton. And I think the it's a bit over the top. Um, you know the Everton fans turning around and saying, "Well, the whole league's corrupt because we're the only ones who've been fun- punished, but you're the only ones who've been punished so far." Um, so yes, I mean that that would be my my view on on their situation as regards to the games today. They, they were unlucky, as Dan said, they created a lot of chances, um, but it's just something that I think the Everton fans have become used to at Goodison Park in recent years, not not taking chances, basically, you know, very working good openings. Sustaining attacks very well, um, but then just, just not finishing their dinner effectively. So, um, yeah, and I, I think as well, they had all the things go against them at the at crucial times in the game. I mean, the the Garnaccio wonder goal just sucked all the life out of the stadium um ideal for man united going into that atmosphere for something like that because people just were were shocked into disbelief you know the the quality of that goal and then you know a penalty not long after half time um goes against them and i think then from there on out you know man united can sit there and and, and counter attack and got the third goal so it's it's just one of those days um where it just it wasn't meant to be for them uh, you know as, as regards whether i think they are stay i think they will just about do it um that that result for Luton yesterday will have worried them because it's a reminder that um that these teams at the bottom, as bad as they've been and as slow as their points accumulation has been, you know it only takes one of them probably to to pick up their performance and and gather some form. and And you know, then it becomes difficult for Everton because you know they've got to make up that deficit. Um but yeah, I think, I, I would agree with Dan. that I think that the three promoted teams for me still look the three poorest teams, and I, and I think yeah. with 25 games left to go, I still think they'll they'll end up um, at least 17th come come May.
2: And even then, I think they're also probably better than Bournemouth, Fulham, and Forest. Like they have points
0: to come back on them,
2: but I think they are better teams. There's still enough time where, like, if, even if one of the promoted sides gets their stuff together. Um, I think like they have the the capability of passing even one of the teams that like barely stayed in last year.
1: Yeah, could be. Um, also, we've already talked to Jamie a few times this season, and in his section talked about Burnley's struggles. Pretty soon, we might need to have a larger conversation about those struggles and whether or not, despite their amazing season in the Championship last year, if Vincent Company might be on the hot seat there. Um, but circling back to the to the Everton point, um, we did touch on the match, and it's hard to do so without touching on Garnacho's goal which was an incredible overhead kick. Um, Dan, I'll, I'll let you pose the question to the group that you were asking uh, right before we hit record. Yeah, so we were all like going back between um, our club's
2: best goals and trying to think of, like, is this the best goal in, in how many years? And my was like, for Arsenal, it's probably the Giroud uh, scorpion kick. And just, like, what does everyone prefer scorpion kicks to um, to overhead kicks? Because overhead kicks are probably more... They're more athletically impressive, like... I mean, Giroux athletically, it's still hard to have body control and, like, stick your leg out behind you and make good contact, but that's not quite as athletically impressive as jumping in the air um, and doing a bicycle kick. So it's just like, what do people prefer? Do you prefer the overhead kick where it's um, just a feat of sheer athleticism, but also he probably has no idea where that ball is actually going. He's just trying to make good contact. Or you have the Giroux, which is kind of a, a different kind of athletic... Or not even Giroux specifically, the scorpion kicks in general, where... It's a different kind of athleticism, and it might be a little more controlled, though also not fully controlled.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was a, it was a ridiculous goal, um, and as I said to you both off air, it, you know, to have the, you know, the audacity to even try to to score from there was was incredible. To just because you you have to react so quickly to adjust your body position to to have any chance of even getting you a foot around the ball, you know that that that's to be admired. The speed of thought, as much as the the execution. Um, but as I said before, I, I think with those kind of goals, you, you're almost you're sticking a leg out. And you're almost hoping for a, for a connection more than more than skill. You know, my I think my favourite goals are either team goals where there's a, there's a lot of passes and then a very good finish at the end of it, or I do like uh, I do like a dribble. You don't see as many of those now, where where you see a player go through three, four, five challenges. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't bring that one up, Kev, uh, from the that Son scored against Burnley a few years ago. Oh, he, he was,
1: just outran everyone.
0: Yeah, he just ran. I mean, he that was more running in a straight line, I suppose, than than going past people. But um, I don't I don't think Wolves have got any goals in the you know in in this recent era that where there's uh, there's a good one you could look up. Uh, it's on YouTube and you can look it up after this um it was Alex Ray goal for Wolves back in about 2004 against Bolton which was like a volley from about 35 yards out you know an unsavourable screamer into the top corner and that's probably about the best one um i think Wolves have mustered in in the premier league certainly but um but yeah i think i think Garnacho that's going to take some beating for goal of this season um and and i think there will be people saying that it's uh you know perhaps the best goal in the uh, in the history of the Premier League
1: yeah definitely goal of the season there there have just been so many good goals that we've seen uh, you mentioned the sun one for Tottenham uh, obviously Danny Rose's debut goal against Arsenal just crazy given the, the context actually not about Tottenham we are loosely talking about Everton uh, Rooney's goal as well um, but uh, for me my I think my favorite Tottenham goal was that Delhi one where he, he kind to of bounced it over two different defenders and then just hammered it into the bottom corner um, but yeah all, all all good goals being mentioned but yeah the the overhead kick um, and I think Thomas you, you mentioned this before we hit record just the aesthetics of it are so good and like the fact that he was at full extension on this one, we, we were talking about how, you know, did it look better than Bales in the Champions League final? And I think the answer is yes. Did it, did it have more impact? Probably not on either Everton or United season, uh, as impactful as winning the Champions League. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, w- it was just a genuinely stunning goal. And I don't want this conversation to take anything away from just how incredible it was. Although some people could have questions about uh yeah, how much you can truly aim in a situation like that. but Or, or if a different goalkeeper might have been able to get to it there in the corner. But anyway, incredible goal. Everton probably okay anyway. Uh, and so we'll move on from there to another big news story that happened uh, over the international break, which was that there was a proposed rule to ban uh, loans between associated clubs, whether or not they're part of similar ownership groups or the Saudi situation with Newcastle. Uh, And it failed, 13-7. to It needed 14 votes. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on that vote and what impact do you think ultimately it could have either this season or long-term?
2: So, uh,
1: also, just for record,
2: I do think Arnato's goal is better than Giroud's. I know of my club affiliation, that may not have been entirely clear. I do think (laughs) it's better. But um, it was really good. Uh, But moving on. Um, I'm struggling for this because normally when I say something is ridiculous, I like to have an alternative way to do it. And I'm not sure I necessarily do, but it feels really comically ridiculous to have the teams who the rule is directly impacting voting on said rule. It feels very like, you know, wolves herding sheep kind of thing. Um, I admittedly I don't know how I would have done it otherwise, which is why I'm a little hesitant to really go like, what are we doing here? But it seems really wild for all these clubs who like they, or their owners own multiple teams to then vote on the rule to stop those kinds of transactions happening. Uh, it just feels kind of ridiculous uh, as far as like what impact it could have. Um We'll see in the short term if there's actually that much. Um, I really see that Ruben the well, at least as of now, the plan is not is for Ruben Nevesh not to um, move this January, but. The whole trend of specifically nation-states owning a bunch of different teams. Seems like not a very good one for the sport and this whole ownership uh, model in general. Um, I know we'll get the kind of, well, somewhat reverse perspective from, I know Wolves, their owners own quite a few, though they are at least not a nation-state with unlimited money who have no care for, like, financial stuff. Um, there's at least some check on that where like they presumably do want to make money and or at least not lose a bunch of money whereas like with um the gulf state clubs they they really don't care about making money so there's kind of nothing to check them um so i i think it's pretty ridiculous this rule was voted down and probably ridiculous that the teams who would be impacted by it are voting it in the
0: first place yeah i don't really i haven't really unpacked you know the specifics of of what what would have been blocked um, had this had this passed. I did. It I did. Find... Seems
2: like from what I've read, it was a fairly limited thing, where it was a kind of like almost like a temporary block. Like not a temporary thing, but like a, this is our band aid for now. We'll go talk about this further later. That was that's kind of what I've read. That's how it's read to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. It, it's, it's clearly there was there was something happening there was a lot going on in the summer um you know there was a lot of of money going into clubs um you know chelsea benefited a huge amount walls benefited with a huge inflated transfer free for ruben neves considering he was in you know in his last year of his contract um and i think there's probably a fear that it's not you know, that the, the the Saudi League is gonna have a big say in what happens in January and ultimately influence the Premier League because, you know, if Newcastle are able to, you know, send players not just in but also out, because as what we've seen is that this the Saudi you know, the Saudi League is a great solution for teams when they want to raise money and offload players and so it's it's not just about um, you know a lot has been made about you know Ruben coming back to the Premier League and playing for Newcastle, but I, but I think it goes deeper than that. Um, but it it is interesting that I I didn't realise that it needed so many uh, votes um, you know to to pass, um, and I was surprised that Wolves were amongst the teams that were were against it. But then again, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised because since we've been back in the premier league uh, george mendes has you know come up with all kinds of creative ways to get players in and out of in and out of our club so perhaps it, there's something there that like they feel that you know it, it will restrict you know movement in the transfer market in in january and some of the things they want to do but you don't know what conversations go on behind closed doors as with anything where where it's a, a vote you know there'll be lobbying and agendas and and people doing deals behind the scenes to to get these motions falling the way they want them to go um so so it's so it's hard to comment really but it will will be fascinating in january to see see what deals happen and see what the look back um at the end of the season and say what was the ramification of, of that decision and um how did it actually end up impacting teams in the premier league you know if it's the difference between you know Newcastle may be getting Champions League football again and not getting it, and you say well that was that was significant, you know, but um yeah, fascinating I mean as I say, because I don't really it's hard to envisage the full the full ramifications of what would be possible um at this stage. It's hard to know how significant that that vote was, so um yeah, difficult at this stage,
1: yeah, I think the reason most people are wondering about this is specifically the Uh, Saudi to Newcastle connection both because of how high up they are in the league because of some of the financial stuff that that Dan was touching on earlier um, that they could have that the same individuals could be luring talent to the Saudi league and then distributing that talent from the Saudi league to their own clubs in other countries Um, but as we know there have been a lot of ties like this for years obviously the Watford-Udinese connection was a little shady and went on for for quite some time Um, I think also are Palace now owned by whoever owns Lyon? That's correct. Am I, am I thinking that right? Yeah. Yeah. So like there, there are other examples of, of places where you have this thing. Oh, a a name that I haven't really heard about in this whole conversation is the whole concept of the city football group. Um, But yeah, yeah, there's like, this has already been happening. And I think what happened was the big clubs all of a sudden got scared that Newcastle could take advantage of it and and take their spots for, for the champions league and all that prize money and stuff like that. But Sorry, you were gonna you know, say
2: something, man. I guess because the Saudi League has been so much more, they've been getting so many better players. Because, um, like, if you look through the city football group, not that that makes it not wrong, um, but like the players just aren't as high a level. Whereas, like, oh, there's this very obvious thing that could impact this season, um, which I would, I would not be surprised if they are just like, look, it's not worth it for this season. We're not gonna stir a pot, but. I'm I'm more concerned with the general with the larger implications of like just kind of like all these all these ownership groups that don't care about making money and therefore can kind of do whatever they want. Which we are we've had that for ages. That's not new. Um it's more like as it gets as there's more and more clubs like that, it just I don't know. It things feel bad. Unfortunately I I don't <laughs> have much more concrete stuff and the vibes are bad.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, one example, one example I can I can sort of say in the the summer that I found interesting, when when Wool sold Mateus Nunes to Manchester City, um, what we rejected their first offer, and then suddenly all all of a sudden the deal seemed to be moving through, and we in return officially we got um, Tommy. Do- Oil uh, on on a season long loan from Man City, but we also picked up um, a defender, Santi Bueno from Girona, who were part of the City group, I believe, um, and we seemed to get him below market rate. Um, you know, after that Nunes deal, which made me think that that you know all three of those players were in part of the discussion, mm. um, and that you know that City sort of flexed their muscle across the group because they knew Wolves were interested in. In a player from from one of those other teams, and you know, I think that's an example of how if you if you own multiple clubs, it, you know, you can use that to grease the wheels to get the outcome you want. Um, so maybe that has something to do with why you know Wolves were Wolves were voting in support of uh, well well against it, you know, so to speak. Um, but I suppose that's a an example of um, you know multi club ownership and uh, how it can influence the market.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's a much that's an almost smarter like low key. Um version of it whereas the newcastle one if they were actually too um blown nevish to newcastle would have been a bit more in everyone's face um which is why this presumably why this rule vote is happening and why it's like never happened before
1: yeah and and uh thomas your earlier point about it being surprising that they have to have oh god i'm not that great at math is it two thirds it isn't it'd half. be two 14 out 20 would be about two thirds yeah 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 um, so I'm not sure why it requires that many votes. But as we just listed, we just listed, what, four different clubs that are have some sort of like multi-ownership thing going on. So maybe it's not that big a surprise that uh, it's so prevalent that people are wanting to pursue their uh, that, that potential avenue for themselves in future. Um, yeah, time will tell how all of this shakes out. Hopefully it won't be too disruptive to the league. But as we said, it's kind of already been happening just maybe a little bit. Uh, more behind the curtain than than people were aware um now we'll wrap up this opening section um with a quick conversation about uh which team has most impressed you and which one have you been most disappointed by thus far
2: so the team that has most impressed me admittedly expectations everton were actually kind of up there but i think the team that's most impressed me is liverpool they look back um and they've kind of made managed to um get over their midfield issues um, despite not actually making any of their big signings and end up having to settle for uh, signing Endo. But that attack is just insane. Uh, they look really, really good. Darwin is as frustrating as ever, but also really, really good. Um, Mohamed Salah is still kicking. Um, they've uh, Shobaslai has been a revelation in midfield, even if he may not have the best game yesterday, um, or Saturday. Uh, and then but like they've they've been able to put it together despite maybe not having all the perfect pieces, uh, their attack looks devastating. I think they're probably the second best team in the league right now. Um, so they've they've impressed me a lot. They are they look not all the way back to you know their 100 point best, but they look pretty back. Uh, as far as the team I'm most disappointed by, uh, I mean, they won today and they probably had the goal of the season today, but it's Manchester United. I just I know they have 24 points from 13 games. They're not that far off the top, but they have a neutral goal difference. They've scored 16 goals all season, and they have had a a bunch of their wins have been real like probably undeserved. They have looked, I think mean, they've been blown out a few times, and they have not been blowing anyone out. Like this today against Everton was was it their first multi goal? No, they had um maybe that was in the cup. I think that's their first multi goal. Um, Premier League win this season and they got outshot 24 to 9 and like we all watched the game and and thought like no I really didn't think they deserved a 3-0 win like they were I'm not even sure they were the better team much less the much better team um, I they just don't look good at all they've managed to get a decent points haul but like they have 16 goals from 13 games. that's awful and it's not like they're way underperforming their expected goals or anything they're about even i think like they just don't look very good and this is i mean i don't know and there were some rumblings that um ten hog may go they've won a few games so that's probably not going to happen now um which is probably a good thing i i think um honestly who knows at this point but like they've been so unimpressive um like even I'm less impressed with them than I am with Chelsea, who have 16 points from 13 games. Um, it's just they, they've been really disappointing, and I was pretty confident in them getting top four this season without like that much fuss. And now I think there is going to be fuss.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be absolutely scandalous and say the team that's impressed me most is my own team. So uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Wolves. I know that's you know gonna have people rolling their eyes perhaps, but um, I was looking when I saw the question, I was just looking at the Premier League table and thinking who's a lot higher up than I thought they would be. And (laughs) Wolves are the team who are, I would say, you know, pound for pound higher up the table than I suspected they would be. Having lost the manager right before the first game, a summer of turmoil, exodus of players, not much coming in. Um, not, not a lot to look forward to in the season, but, you know, we played, we've got some great results and we played some very good football. I think we've been on the wrong end of some, some bad decisions too. And we, we could have easily been, uh, you know, properly in the top half. So it's not, not very sexy to be twelfth in the table for a lot of people, I imagine, but, um, but but considering where I thought we might be at the start of the season, I, I've been very pleasantly surprised. But uh, I won't drone on too much about it because it's my team. But um, but yeah, I I think I would I would feel pretty confident uh, defending my territory there. Um, and and the team that uh, that's disappointed me the most again probably not that imaginative, but I'm going to go with Burnley because um, you know the the three teams that came up, I think everyone knew it was going to be very difficult for them. But I think Burnley were the team you thought out of the three would be the ones who who would probably make the best fist of it. Um, you know, the, the way they took the championship apart last season, the, the football they're playing, Vincent Company's experience in the Premier League. Um, I just think we, we expected more and maybe that was foolish because I think they lost some of the key players. They had some lone players on, on you know, in their squad who were key for them last, last season, who who they didn't retain this season. So maybe there was more surgery required to that team than than most people thought from the outside. But, um, but yeah, I mean, four points from 13 games, um, and and there's been flashes of of good football, um, but they're, they're finding all kinds of ways to, to, to lose games. And, you know, there's not, there's not a huge amount to admire there, um, in the, in, in the, you know, that that's their performance to date in the premier league. So it's got to get better for them and it's got to get better, um, very quickly but yeah i think i think even though i suspected they would be in the bottom third of the table i didn't think they'd be at the bottom of the table uh with with, you know just one win and and one draw from 13 matches
1: yeah things are starting to look pretty dicey for them for sure uh but we'll take a quick break here and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests All right, and we are back. Dan, we'll start off with you talking about Arsenal. Um, From the outside looking in, it seems like Arsenal fans have been pretty frustrated with some of the performances you've put forth this season, even in some of the losses being like, that was that club's best performance and they only beat us by one goal. A lot of that kind of stuff. Um, But here we are, a third of the way through the season, and Arsenal are top of the Premier League. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that kind of dichotomy and how the club's performances are kind of being... They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Taken in by the fans right now.
2: So, I think it's very different. The way we're winning is very different from last season and, in my opinion, less convincing. Um, I think there has been a conscious decision made um, by Arteta in a very pep vein um, to just go for control, 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 uh, and really maybe sacrifice other things for said control. I don't know if it's a decision I like. It's definitely not a decision I like aesthetically, but that's not his job. His his job is to win football matches. I don't even know if it's good for that, if it's the correct decision for that. so i can definitely understand why fans are a bit frustrated um it doesn't look as good and like even just from a from a numbers perspective it's probably not as good um not that we are looking not it's so like arsenal are frauding their way to the top of the table like good team top three team um like i said i think sitting liverpool are probably a bit better right now but not by a lot um it's just the attack has been nowhere near as good as it was last year uh there's a few reasons for that one like we haven't had very much Gabriel jesus and when he has been in he hasn't he's he's been in not a lot just trying to get his feet under him um martin Odegaard hasn't hit the heights he did last season so far this season hopefully he can get back to where he was um martinelli's been a bit inconsistent was also out for like a month uh and then the one that's been drawing the most attention is the left eight the soccer replacement situation is been a a bit of a disaster, a unmitigated disaster to this point. I don't know. It's been pretty bad. Uh, Kai Havertz finally got his first open play goal yesterday with, or yesterday as of the time of recording uh, with the winner against Brentford. So that was great to see. Um, but he's not, he has not looked good at all. I was not particularly high on the transfer. I thought it was, it was, I thought it was pretty weird to spend that much money. Um, and what is basically, you know, kind of sure thing money for a player who has not, who has always had potential, but never really, achieved it in the Premier league and then also play him at a position he's never played before that always felt weird. And I wasn't that high on it going into the season, but uh, it's been so much worse than I expected. Like I was not high and it's been a lot worse than I expected. He just doesn't look good at all. Um, So like we are have kind of something of a black hole in the left eight slot, just trying to find anything um, to work there. Um, or guard hasn't been as good. So there's been, like, the attack is just not as good. It's not as fun to watch. Um, we have been extremely good defensively. I think we have the best defensive record in the league. Um, so that's that's the trade-off we're making. It's definitely a lot less fun to watch. So if the second you don't get results, people are going to be annoyed by it, especially when you saw last season there was a lot more free-flowing football. Um, you know, when you have that as a comparison point, people are going to be upset the second you don't get results. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily the best thing for the team moving forward, but it is a choice that we have made um And we'll see how it pans out.
1: Yeah. And the contributing factor to all of that, I think, uh is also that you have no players in the top 10 in goals scored in the Premier League this season and only one in the top 10 in assists, which is uh Saka. And I was just curious it, well, I guess we've kind of already framed it one particular way, but I was curious if you thought it was like good that you have that amount of players that are all capable of providing in, in attack or if it's a detriment that you don't have anyone performing at that, like elite level like maybe you could argue uh, Saka was last year why not both
2: I mean yeah like yeah, it, it is both good that we have that we can get goals from lots of different places like all across the front three uh, at least in theory Odegaard and even more theoretically um the left eight position um, there's lots of places we can get goals and that is good but also you, you really do want someone preferably um someone across the front three to really have that star like impact and I even a star like impact, because Saka is had an interesting season where there have been a lot of games where he it hasn't seemed like he's played all that well but he still comes up with a like, goal or an assist um, which almost seems like the next step in his evolution where, like even when even his bad games he's still making a very important contribution um, so like that's good um, but I think a lot of it comes from the fact that striker has been not as good this season um Eddie Nketiah has five goals but three of those came in one game um uh, Gabrielle has been out a lot so I think I think a lot of it comes from we just haven't gotten the production at striker and that's compounded by the fact that the left eight has been a disaster um Martin Odegaard hasn't popped up with uh, as many mm. goal contributions as he did last season
1: yeah I mentioned Saka but yeah Odegaard's probably the one that you're really feeling like the absence of in terms of performances but uh, sticking with talking about attack, Thomas, will come to you. Uh, you mentioned in the uh, uh, opening section there that Wolves are the team that's impressed you the most. And for people that are confused, part of that is probably the fact that you're currently 11th in goals and 9th in assists. And no one has more assists in the Premier League this year than Neto does. Um, what do you think has been the biggest contributor towards this improvement in attack? Is it just that, like you finally have people healthy? Have the tactics gotten better under like your fourth manager in three years? I can't talk, obviously, because have been a bit of similar boat. Uh, if it's just been like individual talent shining through, regardless of what you're doing, why why are we seeing that kind of resurgence from Wolves, uh, especially in the final third?
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of a couple of interesting um, developments within within the team um, that we actually started to see towards the back end of last season, um, because last season was the first time when uh, Matinho and Neves weren't, um, you know, central to everything Wolves were doing. They, from January onwards, they started using Joao um, Gomez and Mario Lumina in midfield. And I think that changes when those two played together. We we saw a, a change in the dynamic of the team because they're much more mobile players. They get around the pitch more. They tackle more. Um, they win the ball back in really good areas. And that that gives us an opportunity to get at teams higher up the pitch. Whereas in the years previous to that, Wolves were very slow, melodic, you know, plodding kind of build up where it was side to side, Neves to Matuidi, vice versa, diagonal ball out wide. You know, it was we were playing in front of teams, we weren't getting in and disrupting teams higher up the pitch. So I think that style of play, with particularly in that midfield area where we're much more dynamic now, has has brought a big change. Um, towards that and I think it was needed and it was overdue as sad as we were to see Ruben go um, I, I think that the team did need to evolve um, he, he was the kind of a relic from the, the Nuno era of that back three um, low block kind of team so I, I am I'm very happy with with how that's shaping up and then yeah I mean I think the the attacking players are just working well in combination I think Matthias Cunha has really stepped up. I mean, he, he joined in January, but he wasn't brilliant um, the second half of last season. But he, he stepped up and he, he's been a very good player for us. Very, very good on the ball. I think he's top of the dribbles, you know, carrying the ball. Um, he's top of that chart in the Premier League or very close to the top. And I think he links up very well with Pedro Neto and Wang Ki-Chan. Um, you know, I, I just think that they found a good combination, really, combined with, you know, that, that key change in in what's obviously the most important area of the of the pitch for a lot of teams it's the midfield that get teams going um and you know i think even even you as a tottenham fan, Kev sort of say you know having basuma and um you know madison um and Papsar in there you know that that was working so nicely um, it, it really does change the dynamic of the team when, mm. you, when you've when you got those players who get around the pitch, For sure. get forward, break lines, move past people. So that that's probably the biggest thing. And then obviously the, the individual form of some of those players. I mean, Pedro's injured now, but he was probably the form player in the league because he, he'd got a full pre-season under his belt and he'd finally got, got a rhythm of games going, got his confidence going, and you were seeing the player that everyone knows he can become. But unfortunately, they then he's then got injured so um you know that that's probably derailed us a little bit um but um but yeah the the the, the team is shaping up nicely the recruitment's been good and uh we're just looking more dynamic all over the pitch
1: yeah definitely agree we we also talked before the show about the fact that i can't remember a single time thinking that we outplayed wolves when we have played them obviously we have had some wins in there but it just never it never feels never feels good and uh yeah, the, definitely can feel that there is a more cohesive thing being built there. Um, because of that, um, you are currently 10 points clear of the relegation zone, especially after Everton, Everton's point deduction. I was just curious, after a few years of kind of having some struggles at the club, if things are going well enough that fans are starting to kind of look up the table rather than down?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an opportunity. I mean, I wrote in my preview for the for the Fulham game um, that... You know we've got 15 points from 12 games you, you want to be you want to get between now and christmas so the next seven seven or eight games we want to we want to get in the kind of 25 point plus bracket so 10 points from the next seven games let's say and then i think if you've got 25 points on the board at the halfway point particularly this season where it seems okay. like the requirement's going to be a bit lower um i think you can start to feel pretty comfortable um in, in your premier league status and, and start thinking well you know get to that 40 points obviously and then you start going can we get to 50 you and know, if you can get to 50 can you get to 55 60 and then you're talking um you know a top 10 finish um i i having watched all the teams now um a, a fair bit throughout throughout the season i certainly don't think we're misplaced in in 12th place there's no team below us in the table who i think all oh, they should definitely be above us there they're massively um underperforming. I think I think we're better or as good as all the teams we're above. I don't think Brentford is significantly better than us, who are, you know, slightly above us. But then obviously above that, you're you then getting to the you know the top the real top teams then. So I think there is a there is a proper top half, bottom half um dynamic. So I think if, if Wolves finished any higher than 10th, then it would be an absolutely fantastic season. Um but you know, even tenth, eleventh would be Would be brilliant. So um, I I think probably being realistic as well as we've played, and even though I think we've had some some pretty naff decisions as well, I think a lot of teams can say that. But I think we we have a lot of evidence to support our claim. Um, You know, we could be a few points better off. So um, so yeah, I think I think we are we are starting to wonder whether we can we can do better. But I think better is is probably. You know, kind of where we are now, possibly as high as tenth, but I think breaking that top ten is, is very tough for any of those teams currently in the in the bottom half.
1: That obviously uh, makes a lot of sense and uh, I'm happy for you that they're doing better, although I would have liked to have been able to hold out a one-goal lead (laughs) after the 90th minute. Um, But anyway, uh, we'll head now into Player Watch, where I was just curious, uh, with you guys, with more matches coming, obviously the festive period, injuries starting to get picked up, uh, which players are starting to get more minutes for your teams that maybe hadn't been previously? For
2: us, it's Probably Well, Jorginho had been getting minutes before the international break, but he's someone who's gotten a lot more minutes than we kind of expected. Uh, Not in a bad way. I think that's been a really good signing, actually. Um, But yeah, it's probably like some combination of Jorginho's gotten more minutes. uh, And then Trossard is getting minutes in an area I didn't expect him to, where he played the left eight against Brentford. Um, So it's probably some combination of those two January signings um, who are getting maybe a a few more minutes than expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wolves are Wolves are still playing one game a week at the at the minute. It hasn't really got into that kind of festive period. I know, as I say, seven games in in December, so we'll pick up the pace for them. Um, so yeah, I mean, they've they, they've used a fairly efficient uh, squad, relatively small number of players so far. I, know, you know, I kind of expect that to continue. Um, obviously, Pablo Sarabia came off the bench, and made a massive impact against Spurs. He's kind of been marginalized which which is kind of a big thing really when you consider his career path you know he's been at psg and he's played a lot of games for spain um been a big important player at you know top european clubs so you would have expected him to do more i've expected a lot more than he has delivered for Wolves, but he was obviously superb in that you know 20 minute cameo against tottenham won us that game fabulous goal and assist so i'm just hoping there's 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 more to come from him because he, he will get minutes throughout december and, and and when we're particularly when we're, we're we need to unlock teams and we, we're getting the ball in that final third he can be a difference maker so I'm just hoping we we see that more consistently
1: gotcha uh, all right we'll wrap up with match previews uh, we'll double dip into the wolves bin here uh thomas not to uh give you too big of an opportunity to uh get something wrong within 24 hours but uh what do you expect from the the full-on wolves match tomorrow
0: uh, I'm, I'm quietly confident. Xiao um, Polynia is suspended for Fulham, and I think that's a big tick in the plus column for Wolves, uh, not to have to face him. There is the spectre of Raúl Jiménez. Um, you know, you always feel like it's destiny that that a uh, particularly a striker is going to come back to haunt you. Um, he got off the mark for Fulham against uh, Aston Villa, and I was very pleased to see him get that goal because he's a player we we hold very dearly at wolves so we want to see him doing well um not tomorrow obviously but um so there there are, there are also, there's a few little subplots to the to the match um i don't think adam troiore can play i think he's still out injured for fulham um, but i think our form combined with with fulham's struggles and that i think they're the lowest scorers in the league um and we we look a little bit more Dangerous in attack. I'm just hoping that we we just edge it. You know, even, even though it's away, um, I think it it will be a close game. There won't be much in it. But I, I'm backing us just based on some of the players they have out and some of their struggles that that we might just edge it. You know, a kind of one nil two one situation. Um, but yeah, quietly confident about that one.
1: Gotcha. And then we'll stick with you because next week it's Arsenal versus Wolves. So we'll get your perspective on that and then head over to Dan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got dismantled last season, last game of the season. I don't know if it was a five or a six nil. We were getting absolutely smashed by everyone um, away towards the end of last season in mean, Brighton got six against us and we were in a right state. Really. It was uh, not a pleasant sight. So that it was a game that was over before it started last season, which is a shame because up until then, our record at the Emirates had been pretty good. I mean, I think the first, Three seasons we were back in the Premier League. We drew twice and won once, you know. And then, and then it's been two defeats the last the last two visits. So we, we've 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 done reasonably. We've acquitted ourselves well there. Um, so I've, I've got a reasonable degree of confidence that we'll do all right in the game. And I think there has been some vulnerabilities uh, shown by Arsenal at home. Uh, but then again, you could argue that they're they're kind of waiting to click into gear a bit more, and they're maybe due a. A good performance so it's it's a very tough game that you know obviously I'm, I'm expecting the likeliest result to be a defeat um but but i'm hoping we can we can do something in the game i'm hoping maybe pedro Neto might be able to have some involvement in that game because he can be a a difference maker for us uh, but i think gary o'neill's shown that he's been reasonably tactically astute particularly when we've come up against the the top sides um, so hopefully we'll go there with a plan, quit ourselves well, and um, you know maybe take something from the game. But yeah, I, I feel less confident about that than uh, than Fulham tomorrow.
2: Yeah, and from our side, um, we do have a Champions League game midweek against Lens, um, Lens, which is a a game we do want to win um, to try and make the last game a dead rubber. Uh, so we'll be going pretty hard. That um, is at least at the Emirates as well, um, so there won't be any travelling midweek. Um, but you know, it's tough to play this many games in this condensed of time. Um, everyone's going to feel that over the next month. Uh, so that is a point of concern. I would still, I still very much expect, um, us to beat wolves at home. That's, that's a game that you, you know, look down the fixture list, uh, beginning of the season. And that's one of the ones you write in, like you need to get three points here. Uh, it's a home game against a bottom half team. Um, I'm very much expecting a win, though slightly concerned at our inability to kind of kind of break down teams that are sitting deep and really like put our put our foot down. Um, so there's there's a little concern there that we may just maybe like outplay them a bit, but not by enough. And then, you know, ends up being one one nil nil, something like that. But um, the expectation is still very much that uh, we should win.
1: All right. Well, we'll see how that match winds up going. I don't want to let in on it too much, but I might have a preference as to who I would uh, rather win. But, you know, don't want to offend guests and all that. (laughs) uh, We'll wrap the show there. Uh, Also, if you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time.
2: Uh, Yeah, you can still just get me on Twitter or X. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I will not give in. It's Twitter. Um, At the underscore Jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks again for, for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, you can you can log on to wallsblog.com and uh, pick up some match previews and match reports. There will be, if there are any other Arsenal fans listening in, there'll be a preview going up in the coming days for the um, the Arsenal game at the weekend. And, of course, uh, a report on the uh, opinion piece on the however the Fulham game turns out tomorrow. So there'll be a couple of things going on this week on the blog. And then, yeah, you can get us... On Twitter or X at Wolves blog or uh, Facebook.com forward slash Wolvesblog.
1: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on that one website at Kavroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable. Uh, and as always, you can email us your questions at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com. Uh, massive thanks to both of you for joining me today. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening.